From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Melody. And I'm Josh. And we're glad to be back talking all things media. We have an exciting show with many topics to discuss in Jump Cuts and a double feature, Interstellar and Nightcrawler. It's going to be exciting, but as always, we're going to start off our episode with Jump Cuts. Hey guys, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is our lightning round segment of the podcast where each of us brings a question to the table and we all have 60 seconds to give our answer to the question. If we go over our 60 second time limit, you will hear this sound. So let's get into Jump Cuts. Are we getting too much of a good thing? Over the next six years, we're going to be getting 29 superhero movies. Both DC and Marvel have laid out their plans for their cinematic universes. Sony's talked a lot about the super, uh, the Spider-Man films as well. So there's a lot going to be happening over the next several years. And I'm curious to get your guys' take. Uh, there is a link in uh, the show notes you, guys, you should check out because it lists all 29 of these superhero films and my goodness this is a lot melody are we getting too many is this just enough or are we do we need more i mean goodness why not let's have 30 or 50 what do you think well the short answer in my humble opinion sorry people is yes there is so much as there is such thing as too much of a good thing there's so many of these movies these superhero movies that i love but i love them just a little bit less because I have to see so many of them. And like <laughs> like we've mentioned before, there's, there is just this fatigue of the whole superhero scenario. There's, all ma- there's so many cities that I care about being destroyed. There's so many worlds that I care about being threatened before I just care a little bit less. And like I love these stories, but I don't know. Too many makes me a little less excited rather than more excited. Having said that, mm. I will see them all. And I will love many of them. <laughs> and... Uh, some of them, like Age of Ultron and Guardians 2 and Batman vs. Superman, like I'm pretty stinking excited about. So, yes, in my opinion, there's too much, but I'm still going to see them and love some of them. <laughs> right. Chad, how about you? Are you excited about this or or not? I mean, how do you feel about it? Well, I think there is definitely... I, I've been living in the middle of uh, comic book movie fatigue for quite some time for a lot of the same reasons that Melody mentioned and i do think that eventually what's going to happen is that we're going to get tired of it as a you know as a movie going public i just don't think we can sustain this level of release and not at some point it kind of hit a wall i mean we're kind mm-hmm. of in the we're in the sweet spot right now i mean i, I haven't been as excited for a super fear, a superhero film in a long time like I am for Avengers Age of Ultron. I mean, those trailers look so fantastic. And when I think about Batman versus Superman, I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, the idea of an Aquaman movie, I mean, that could be so terrible or so awesome. But either way, I'm kind of interested. Probably terrible. Probably terrible. Um, it's DC, remember. It is. It is. I think the big thing for me is just that some of these movies will be good. Most of them will be mediocre and some of them will be t- Sorry. But I'm going to see him anyway, so boom. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, Josh, 
Are you excited about this? I know you are. You've, you're familiar with all these. You read comic books. Oh. You're ready, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I just have one question. Can, can Ant-Man really be considered a superhero? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, you're not familiar with Ant-Man, are you? I, I am not. I'm familiar with Edward Norton and his wonderful incarnation of, what was he last? The Hulk? Yes. Um, Bruce yeah, Banner. that was great. So let's, let's talk about... What does the that have abs- to do with this? Absolutely. He's a superhero. What do you think it has to do with it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you see the, see the tenuous connection there? No. So let's talk about the obscure corners of the comic book universe that's in this lineup. We've yes. got something called Cyborg Shazam, which I think was a Shaquille O'Neal movie. <laughs> um, Inhumans, I have not heard of. Okay, Wonder Woman looks like Xena. Doctor Strange, Sinister... I, I don't know who any of these people are. and <laughs> So maybe they'll be great. So I'm just going to vote for on the... Oh, right when I was getting all positive. <laughs> Forget this. I hate superheroes. The end. Chris, your turn. These aren't really that obscure. <laughs> no, they were... Well, see, this is the thing. This has always been my argument that Iron Man was in this pantheon... And now we all think Iron Man is being kind of a, an A-level hero. Now these are going to be getting those that same treatment. We're all going to become very familiar with who Captain Marvel is and who. Uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, a lot of people don't know who Captain Marvel hey, is. Hey, before though. you Neither go, Chris, I, I, I think I, I think we should have an official screeners over under bet on the percentage of the sixty or however many it is that Josh will actually see. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start at four. Yes, four of them or four percent. Right, come right out at zero. Four total movies. <laughs> Josh is going to come right out at zero. I'm, I'm going to take the under. You're, you're going to see Batman versus Superman at least. Batman and X. Come on, there's a lot of these you want to see, Maybe right? Maybe on demand. No, I I would see if I have the chance. I would see Batman versus Superman. I would right. see. I'll see Age of Ultron. The Avengers movie was fun. The first one. Mm-hmm. I'll see the X Men movie. How about Captain America? Them, Captain eh. America, right? Don't you like the last? You didn't care. like the last movie? No. Eh. Okay. Well, no, right. wait. I didn't see the last. Oh, the one. last I saw movie the first was fantastic. One. I didn't yeah, see Winter you, Soldier. You need to see Winter Soldier. It's one of the better. It's the best Marvel ones. movie yet. I think. Really? I think so. In my opinion, really? it, to, it to is, me, it is. It is tied very much with Avengers. Avengers is just a joyful film, but I think. Cap, uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier is probably a better movie. Yeah, that's great. Um, no one yeah. said anything about Deadpool. I mean, Ryan Reynolds looks looks pretty hot there in that picture. That's Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> I will right? I see a Ryan Reynolds movie any day. <laughs> I yeah, know you will. Yeah. I hope he's a Green Lantern, too, because that'd just be great. It's <laughs> <laughs> confusing as all get out. <laughs> all right, sorry. Okay. Go, Chris, go. Uh, well, so here's the thing. This is all of my childhood dreams come true, is to see all of these characters hit the screen. I'm not worried at all about the Marvel stuff. I think they know where they're going. They've got a track record. I'm excited about all the Marvel stuff. Um, It's the Sony Marvel universe that I'm worried about, such as the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. I think those movies are not going to be all that great. And DC really has yet to prove to me that they are going to have any kind of staying power outside of the Dark Knight trilogy. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, they can pull together this Batman versus Superman universe and actually pull off a uh, a combined universe with uh, Justice League and all that. So I'm not totally sure about the DC side. I hope that it works out well. I love those characters, but I think Marvel stuff is going to be pretty stinking awesome for the next six years, and I'm excited for it. So, ready to rock and roll. 
It could be. I think the thing the thing that makes me the most nervous about DC is that whereas Avengers built up to like this massive worldwide event movie because we had a few years of individual character films. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of flipping that model on its head, trying to rest on the, the strength of Batman and Superman, which is understandable. I'm more worried that it's just going to be too fat of a movie with too many things trying to be pigeonholed and then it's not going to be good. And if that yeah. if that doesn't work, then it kind of messes up the future plans for a lot of these other things. So. Well, also, too, you have to remember the, the thing I have the most issue with is that Marvel is doing this wonderful, seamless universe in both its television and its movies. You but can't use the word wonderful and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the same sentence. Sorry. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually fantastic. Oh, the last, my gosh. Have you, been wa- have you been watching it at all? No. This 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 second season after the events of Winter Soldier have been spectacular. In my opinion, it's the better. It's it's one of the better shows on television as far as like networky. I'm not kidding. It really is quite good. You should you could go back and 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 take a look at it. It's it's not bad at all. It's actually quite quite compelling. But the problem I have is is that like the CW's Flash is not going to be the same Flash that we're going to be seeing on movie theaters. The, the events that are happening in S.H.I.E.L.D. and the events that are going to be happening in all of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows are going to be in one shared universe, and they're they're not doing that with DC. They're kind of wanting to have their cake and eat it too, and I'm afraid it's going to be confusing for audiences and not really work out all that well. That's just my opinion, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But they've got, you know, 2018 is when the Flash movie comes out, for Pete's sake. 2018! That's three years away! Three years isn't that long. Feels like it, though. It, it certainly does. But normally we don't get these these announcements until, you know, two years or a year and a half out. Now we're getting them six years out. I mean, for Pete's sake, we know that we're going to be getting a Green Lantern on June 19th, 2020. Well, we think we are. It depends on if the three movies that DC makes before that all tank, then we won't get that movie. That's true. And there's always Ebola. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I'll be here. That's right. Okay, guys, I am the elder statesman here in the screeners, although I am not old enough to actually remember ever going to a drive-in theater as a kid. Um, the, the phenomena of the drive-in was kind of the retro drive-in, I, I should say, was something that I've recently discovered. We've got a, a, a drive-in that's actually pretty cool. It's clean, good food, and it's uh, kind of a fun experience. But recently, we found out that the Johnny Rockets hamburger chain you guys ever eat at a johnny rockets before yes yep. yes josh no, no? <laughs> okay <laughs> well they they are yes. uh diving into a new business venture here where not only are they going to have their chain of restaurants but they are trying to revive the drive-in theater chain uh, as many of us know most theaters and certainly drive-ins make the bulk of their profits off of concessions and food so the idea is they would have a new slash old retro style diner 50 style um, series of drive-ins around the country and serve Johnny Rockets food. So my question is, is this something that you would be interested in? Is it compelling enough to get you to leave the big screen of the IMAX, the amazing sound for kind of the unique experience of the drive-in? And do you think it's going to catch on? So what do you guys think about that? Uh, and we're going to start with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I put him. I put him first because I figured we'd get that out of the way and then we'd see. Out of the way. I'm hurt. No. I'm just, I'm hurt. Well, so, so I, I will caveat all this by saying that I have never been to a drive-in theater. So take all this with a grain of salt. And we will. My, re- my reaction is, yes, I know you are. Thank you. 
my reaction is I'll take the cheaper ticket prices. The article talks about how they're planning on putting the prices like around six or seven bucks or something like that and making up their margins on food, which is fine. But there's for me, there's probably only a small window out of the year when it's going to be comfortable enough outside for me to want to pull up in a car and just watch a movie because I'm not leaving my engine on for two hours for the AC. <laughs> and even then, it'd be nicer to have a car with more comfortable seats than the one I have now. And in a car, you can't really put your arm around anyone that well. If you have kids, they can't see so great in the back seat unless you have a convertible or a pickup. And I'd have to wash my windshield before I... Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll pass. But good good luck, Johnny Rockets. Good luck. Wow. So end. that's a resounding yes, then. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, I'm all for it. All right. Chris, what about you? You know, I think for the right kind of movie, this could be a lot of fun. I think especially for the kids, I can see us... Uh, we've got a, a minivan. I can see us opening up the back of the minivan and, you know, having the kids eat their food and watch a... Uh, a kids movie or whatever. I think that would be that would be great. I'm not going to go see uh, a blockbuster movie uh, in this kind of an environment because I want a better sound experience. But I think for the right for the right group, perhaps be able to get together and go see a movie with their kids and have some fun. And it's kind of a little bit of a lighter fare. And I think it could really be uh, an enjoyable, unique experience. And this is what we've been talking about: is if theaters can do something different, they're probably going to get our our business, and I think this is different enough that for the right kind of movie, I, I could see myself going and just kind of having a good time. Cool. What about you, Melody? Do you agree with that? Okay. To me, this idea seems more of like some like funny proposal, like ha ha ha. That would be funny if that happened. Like that's something <laughs> crazy we could do to rescue the theater industry. Then it seems like an actual business venture that's actually going to happen. Like I mean, uh, okay, drive-ins are fun. I've been a couple times. Uh, I would rather watch a movie like in my home than in my car. Like I'd probably go once or twice and that would be, you know, the novelty of it. But I don't think I would get in the habit of it. So I I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll maybe it'll take off. I'm not holding my breath for that one. Okay, I'm actually going to be the voice of positivity for once. Um, I think it's a great idea. And the reason is most and and to answer some of the things that Josh mentioned is that most theaters are typically driving theaters are only open in the summer and so and they don't allow you to keep your car running obviously because they don't for lots of reasons and they always have people there uh if your car battery dies to jump you off it's actually this whole neat kind of thing that I was lear- I learned about when we started going here I think this is a good idea, number one, because most of the theaters, it's like an evening out for kids where they you have picnic areas and you have like people playing Frisbee before the movie, and you don't actually sit in your car. You can, but most of the ones that I've been to are actually set up to where you use your car radio or you bring like a Bluetooth-enabled device or a radio with like a, 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 like a boombox kind of thing that you tune to a radio frequency, and then you put out chairs or blankets and sit outside of the car. And there's no doubt that the Johnny Rockets food would probably be a little bit better than the the stuff that's in a theater now. So I think it's actually a great idea. And I think for teens and kids that are looking for stuff to do together um, from a social standpoint, that I think is a great idea. I think it could be a lot of fun, and I think that it could work. 
Yeah, I, I'd like to. It could be a good community experience. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. For the right group of people and for the right movie, like I yeah. said, I, there are some movies that I wouldn't want to do at all. I wouldn't even think about it. But sure. it would be fun. Like, hey, let's go with a group of you know, go go see like Dumb and Dumberer. That's going to yeah. be a stupid movie, <laughs> but it would be fun to have like a group of folks from church just go see that thing and do it in this environment. Like you said beforehand, we can you know you know, play some frisbee, you know, sit yeah. picnic style and watch it. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, we're gonna play frisbee. I I would play frisbee. No, what? listen. So Laura, my wife what? and I have been. My wife would play frisbee in a second. Happy yeah. sack. My wife and I have been a few times, and it's it's amazing that the and, and the ones that we go to it wouldn't be nearly as nice as these. But you have there are hundreds of people there that show up like two hours early to picnic and like I said play frisbee and just kind of hang out. And there are all these old veterans because you can tell veterans of the of the movie going experience because they have like their big recliner chairs that they pull out. <laughs> it's just but it's really it's really super. Cool. It's really, yeah. it's really kind of fun for the right movie. I think. I think it'd be. I think it'd be fun. I, I had a very right bad Let's driving see. experience in college, so maybe that's why I'm jaded. Yeah, I've like, never was that drive-in. Never actually went. We had one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But I, we haven't. I know Melody went with a group of her friends, but I never. I actually did not. I went with you with a group of your friends. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. And you just never mind. Not and you ignored that me story the whole on night. the podcast. <laughs> so, welcome wow. to therapy with Chris and Melody. <laughs> I don't remember I that at all. Gotten all about this. Yes, I know you have. <laughs> you always. Forget I play things. both sides of this argument. This all right, let's move on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so for my jump cut this week, I have something kind of fun. Um, This past week, Chris broke out his old Super Nintendo and was playing it with our kids, and it was very cute. So my question for you guys is, what classic video game do you most want to introduce and play with your children? Chad, I'm afraid to know. No, this is actually pretty easy. My son is, well, I guess in about three or four months, will be three and so I think I'm going to start him off with Resident Evil 1. That's a good yes. one. That's good perfect. Um, <clears throat> actually, I'm serious about that when he gets older because that game is great. But older, older. Mortal Kombat. Older, older, older. Um, actually, I think for me, see, I, my first experiences with video games were like Atari, the original Atari, like, you know, Moonraker represent. and Pitfall and that kind elder, of stuff. Elder Statesman. Like just, represent. Just, just old stuff. But I would say if I had to pick something, um, I think like the original Galaga, like in the, the coin-operated op- co- you know, arcade game, is like super hard to beat. And Mrs. Pac-Man, the one that goes really fast, not <laughs> slow, is awesome. But, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit is easily always the original Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo. So for me, I played – that's the first game that I remember playing like hours and hours and hours and hours. And so any and all of those at some point, hopefully with an emulator, I'll be able to, to share those with my son if my wife will let me um, do that. The end. <laughs> all right. Not too bad. Chris, what about you? Yeah, there's a lot. Like you said, I broke out the Super Nintendo and – I really was excited and still am excited to play. They're not quite old enough yet for, and that, that's the interesting thing. Like they they play video games a lot on the iPad, um, but when you put a controller in their hand, I don't know. Something magical happens. I feel like it's a completely different experience, and they really loved uh, playing Super Mario World. I can't wait to play more of that with them. That's the Super Nintendo uh, uh, Mario game, and it's one of my favorites. In fact, it probably is my favorite. 
video game, when I say of all time, probably so. Wow. One of them, anyway. It, it's just a great game. Yeah. Um, I saw one of our listeners uh, post a, a picture of he and his son playing Duck Hunt um, on Whoa. Facebook. Uh, oh, yeah. Rob, Rob Reed and his son was playing that so a duck hunt would be a lot of fun i feel yep. like that would that would really translate well to kids so there's just so much but it's just it's a joy to be able to kind of go back to that they've got their ipads but why not go back and and kind of see what what mom and dad are playing at that time it's 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 fun it's it's really cool <laughs> okay josh what about you i'm interested to hear this answer hunt. me too the with duck hunt is the ir gun i don't i don't have one of those that would be fun though the duck this, hunt yeah 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 this one is really tough for me because there are so many. I'll I'll see Chris's getting out the Super Nintendo, and I'll go one further. Um, my wife's cousins came to visit us a few months ago and brought their kids along. They have three boys who are like, I think, 10, 7, or 8, and 3. And I broke out the Atari, and we played Dig Dug, and they Dig loved Dug. it. Dug, yes. They loved it. Yes. And like a couple weeks later, we got this drawing in the mail of Dig Dug with the guy burrowing down. It was great. See, how cool is that? That's such a cool Video thing. games are good for children. That's they right, they are. They really are. They, they are. are. But so the Super Nintendo games, of course, are, are big hits. Mario Kart and Super Mario Brothers have got to be early on. But I have this whole history with Atari and the Sega Genesis to go through. And the, the old Sonic games might have to come before Mario just to keep the old loyalties in place. But luckily, <laughs> I still have a big collection of these old games. So whether it's in 480i or not, my kid or kids are going to get a thorough education when it comes time. That's yeah, awesome. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, for mine, there there are also many that that come to mind, but I would love to introduce my kids to <laughs> oh, okay. Barbie Princess. Just no, kidding. No. Okay, I was gonna say the Nintendo Power Pad, but that was wow, just a joke. That's not really amazing. True at all. <laughs> that sounds awesome. You have a glove you to go with that, that too. Power glove. No, you no, that's the glove. glove. No, no, no. Yeah. The power you could pad. run on it power like pad. in the Olympics. Oh, the Power yeah. Pad. Yes, I know, yeah, but was... the Power Glove is way cooler. Yeah, uh, no, the power I just remember pad. the ads for the power glove. The power pad actually kind of worked. The glove never worked. No. That did, the power that... pad did not work very well because no. I could not <laughs> jump those hurdles. No, Darn but see, it. The, the power glove, you, <laughs> you saw it being used in The Wizard. Do you guys remember The Wizard, of the course. movie with Fred Savage? Yeah. Um, you saw it being mo- used in that. You, he's like moving his hand around. That's, the, that's not the way it worked at all. You just literally just pushed buttons on your... That was really annoying. Sorry. So, I got so upset. Well, wow. okay. Besides the power pad... Uh, okay, I loved the Super Mario N64. I know it's not super classic. It's a little bit newer. But, like, that is the game that I have many fond memories of playing with my brother. So I don't know that it will ever be available to play. But if it is, I'm playing it with my kids. And it'll be awesome. And also, I would like to note that the Oregon Trail is on the iPhone. And so I will definitely be introducing that to my children so they can learn the wonderful history involved in the Oregon Trail and get cholera and die. Be- <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah there's yep. also the Oregon Trail, which is the zombie yeah, fight. Not that. Yeah. Not that. Well, when I, I come think- down here in a few weeks, uh, or in January, I guess, to Orlando, I'll, I'll bring a GTA 5, and I can introduce your kids to that one. I think that's good. <laughs> it teaches about capitalism, currency, you know, things like <laughs> exactly that. Exactly right. <laughs> It's like Monopoly for fair the modern trade, age. You know? yeah. Fair not trade. Not it has nothing to do no. with fair oh, trade. It does. Those trades in that game are definitely fair. As, as, a bonus, as a bonus for Nintendo, who has been losing money for the past few years, this is how you can come back on top. 
make a way, just bring back all your old IP and put it online and let us play Super Mario Brothers over the internet co-op. Let us play Mario Kart co-op over the internet and we will pay you money for it. You already have these games. Just make them work online. Ladies and gentlemen, Done. You, just, you just heard Josh say that he's willing to pay money for That's something. That's for free. For That's a free idea. This is a big deal. <laughs> this is a big deal. Right, I'd pay money. Secret of Mana? You want to... Chrono Trigger? Secret yes, of Mana? Yes, Chrono Trigger. Dude, there's a lot. I mean, From States Away? Yeah, I would. Awesome. Yes, I would pay money. Let's do it. Welcome to the main event. This time on the main event, we have a double feature. We're going to be talking about Nightcrawler, and then I will be leaving for the discussion of Interstellar, because I, say it with me, did not make it to the theater. <gasps> anyway, first up, Nightcrawler. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow, or even why not tonight? No. I'm not hiring. I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back! I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning, you were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Is that a GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Excuse me. I have something you'll be very excited about. You have a good eye. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. I'm Detective Fonieri. I think you withheld information. That would be a very unprofessional thing for me to do. It would be murder. I want what you promised me. I want something people can't turn away from. 911, what's your emergency? I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. <laughs> the IMDb description for Nightcrawler is as follows. When Lou Bloom, a driven man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. Aiding him in his effort is Nina, a TV news veteran. That last sentence was completely superfluous, but it got an 8.3 on IMDb. So I have a, let's call it nuanced opinion of this movie, but I will save that for later. We will give our, as usual, we'll give our general impressions of the movie and then we'll go into spoilers a little later. So for the general section, let's go ahead and start with Chad. Chad, what did you think of Nightcrawler? This is a movie that on paper... Uh, would seem to be tailor-made for me. It's kind of a an actor-driven performance, or a film, excuse me, uh, based around, uh, you could call it satire in some case, you could call it, you could call it a lot of things. And I yes, love, you could. <laughs> you could. Uh, it's kind of a, I don't want, it's, it's my feelings for the movie are actually kind of complicated, I guess, because I, I feel like, I feel like I should like it more than I actually do. Uh, and I don't know if that's because the theme of the film, and the, the, I guess there are interpretations of what that theme would be, but kind of the bell that it keeps ringing pretty loudly is nothing new. It's nothing that I haven't seen before. And so I wasn't surprised by this movie. Um, and it goes to some places that are certainly dark and 
and and dingy and slimy and and it's always interesting it's always interesting and it's full of some great scenes and and amazing central performance but when it ended it just kind of ended for me and I, I almost had like no emotional reaction to it and maybe that scares me about me so maybe I'm pretty wow. messed up um, <laughs> because I, I was never I mean I was I was certainly thrilled in places and I certainly felt the tension in places of some marvelous like I said performances and individual scenes but collectively it's just not a new thing to talk about talk about the the media and the lack of ethics and the kind of world in which we live I mean that's 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 a pretty common theme that several films have tackled before I did like the movie I would certainly recommend it but it didn't really impact me like in a major way so those those are kind of my general thoughts all right that was a resounding meh from Chad. How about you, Melody? Oh, sorry. Uh, did I misrepresent no, you? No, it's not meh. It's just... A little better than meh. Yeah, it's a little. It's better than meh. Right. Uh, oh. For me, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said, Chad. I think that um, I might have liked it a little bit more than you did. Like, I enjoyed the movie. As I was watching it, I was engaged in the story and the action the whole way through. I didn't feel bored. Um, it was thrilling and it was interesting, but I guess it, it wasn't as creepy as I expected it to be. It wasn't as, uh, I don't know, like I, I feel like it thinks it's meta and it thinks it's making this point and it presents itself that way. But like to me, and maybe it's just because I have this jaded view of broadcast news already. So like you said, it's nothing new. It's 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 like I expected to maybe go in and see something new and I'm just kind of seeing like yep that's pretty much exactly how it is in my opinion and but I think that would have been okay like this world that they that they present that in my opinion is pretty accurate I think would have been okay if the character in the film would have gone on a little bit more of a journey than he did would have progressed I, I expected and I don't want to get too spoilery but I expected for him to, to maybe start at one place and end up at another place. But to me, he's just kind of the same the whole way from the very first scene of the film to the very end. Like, yep, this is this guy. This is who he is. And so because he doesn't have any sort of journey in his character, it's less interesting. It's less engaging. And because there's not really a message that speaks to me either, it's, it's kind of a forgettable film. And we actually saw this way back when it first came out. So when I went to make my notes on it today, like I had a think about it like I, I I've kind of forgotten a lot of it already so it it didn't make a huge impact on me um but I did enjoy it I would recommend it just it's nothing incredible for Jake Gyllenhaal in alone it's worth it I for think. sure for sure <clears throat> wow yeah wow all right Chris I know you're waiting to go here yeah okay so I'm way more positive about this movie than both of you guys are I really like this film and I feel like for us finding the meaning of movies sometimes uh, overtakes the movie itself. And I think just like Gone Girl, Nightcrawler has this, you know, there is an, uh, an underlying theme of how the media uh, is and how we you know, consume media and all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, both Gone Girl and this, the story of the main character, I feel like, is compelling enough alone. And it just lives and takes advantage of the world that we're all familiar with, which is, you know, television, local news, uh, the bleeds it leads mentality. And I felt, I really 
loved every from the opening scene in this movie, and there is quite an opening scene in this movie. On, I was in. I wasn't expecting to enjoy this movie. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I think I'd seen like a a really short trailer, or maybe it was even just a clip on um, you know, like YouTube before uh, you know I skipped past it. And I wasn't expecting much of it, just like Gone Girl. But I have to say, I was compelled. Like, there's not, Chad, you said it too. Like, there wasn't a moment in this movie where I was bored or felt sure. like there wasn't something, you know, interesting and crazy going on uh, on the screen. I really felt like the Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, while I feel like in any other hands, maybe not in any other hands, but in in most people's initial take on that would be to go way, way more overboard with him. And I felt like he did a really good job of playing it. Um, obviously, he's got not all his, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's one fry short of a Happy Meal. You know what I mean? But he's not so crazy that you think he's like a comic book villain. Definitely he's not. not, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he's a believable character in this world. And I don't know, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I enjoyed underlying what it was trying to say. I, I really liked about I guess two thirds of the way into the film, you know, there's an event that happens. Maybe it's even earlier on, but there's an event that happens that pushes everything forward. And I don't know, it really was quite a, an enjoyable experience for me. So I I like this movie a lot. I really really did. Uh, and I'd like to go obviously talk a little bit more in depth about about his character and and things that he did and spoilers. But I think for the most part, most even even if you were just a casual movie going. Um, uh, audience member, you're going to like this movie. It's not like the... I thought it was going to be an art house movie. I thought it was going to be very like Drive. Like That's kind of the, the feel that I thought it was going to be. And I like this a lot more than Drive. I really enjoyed Nightcrawler a lot. Wow. All right, then. So we, we have kind of a gamut so far. Um, I will start off my comments by saying that, yes, Jake Gyllenhaal did a great job. He played the character... Very well. He didn't overplay it, didn't underplay it. And to follow up, Chris, on your comment, I don't think he's one fry short of a Happy Meal. He's a sociopath. Well, that's but, what I mean. But what I'm saying, like, most people would think that, you know, but that they would lead into, like, being, like, a Joker-like character or a, yeah, okay. a comic book kind of like, I'm crazy because I do all these crazy <laughs> things. He's he's crazy, but he's not But he's very smart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so overall, I'm not going to bury the lead of my comments here. My main problem with this, well, sorry, two main problems, both of which Melody touched on in various ways. For starters, the movie was marketed, at least in the trailers that I saw. The trailers had me expecting a thriller. They had me expecting this kind of dark, kind of thrilling type suspense movie. And it's not at all. This movie is a dark comedy at best. And I, it, it was a complete failure in marketing to me and there was a com just a total juxtaposition of what I was supposed to expect and what I ended up getting and along those well not really along the same lines but to touch on the other thing that Melody mentioned um, the character if you're gonna have a main character of a story that we're going to spend the entire hour and a half two hours following have them progress, have them be either a hero or an anti-hero, the whole movie leaves you almost guessing in a way of how you're supposed to feel about this character. 
And it's just not a satisfying experience. Really? We need to by talk the about time that. you're done with it. Yeah. Let's remember to talk about this because I really do want to I want to I, I want to know one of the strengths both of, the of you. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I both of you I meant to address that with Melody's comments, but I, I was I, I forgot to do that. But both of you mentioned that and I boy, I see the It's opposite. easier to talk about it in spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I would either want to like the character or love to hate the character, but I just ended up not feeling much of anything toward the character he did some things that might be wrong and you know but so let's go to spoilers might be wrong (laughs) what i was trying to avoid spoilers holy cow all right well i think if you watch the trailer if if you you're listening to our review of it to know if you should we we should we say whether or not we should go see it or or our audience yeah yeah Yeah. we don't need to jump spoilers just quite yet because yeah a couple of other things um you know that we should we should probably talk about uh related to that like i part of the thing that you mentioned i don't know that it's fair necessarily to judge and i don't know that you're doing that josh you know what you expected versus what you got i think you should just judge what you got you know as it is but Uh, no i i see the whole movie is like it it includes how the movie is presented and if you deliver something different than what you presented i think i think are, that deserves to be pointed out those are two completely different really mar- you know two completely different uh groups of people it's it's a completely different you know art form or whatever but i mean if you just it's judge, a single product if, i know but but it, 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 the marketing department's different than the 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 filmmakers so I mean, if if you're watching a movie, you should judge the movie by what you're like Chad is saying, like by what you're getting, not by what you are expecting walking in. So just the movie alone did it do enough for you? And if it didn't, that's fair enough. But like you yeah, can't just say you're bringing baggage into it before you actually see it. But you know, one of the things that you talked about that that you think that you said bothered you is I I like it when film when a film tries to create empathy for an unlikable character or even tries to have you relate in some way um, to the to the character that may be doing despicable things because the complication of how you're supposed to feel is actually what I actually what I enjoyed I didn't I didn't very much like you said Josh I didn't care a lot but the only time that I did is when I I think this would this movie would be a failure if it was just a clear-cut this guy's a sociopath and you should not like him all the way. The fact that they give you little beats throughout where you're kind of like, wow, he's really smart, or wow, maybe I would do the same thing. Um, those kinds of things actually, for me, made me care more about it. So I, I saw well, that as a strength, not a weakness. So maybe I didn't communicate that clearly enough. I, I would be in that same camp with you. I would like them to... So like Breaking Bad did a great job at this. Walter White becomes a terrible person, but... There's, there's a part of him that still connects. To me, that's what this movie failed at. Like, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't any bit of trying to identify with the character. There, yeah. there wasn't, that didn't really come across to me. And so that's where I thought it failed. I do think what you said, Chad, about, like, the parts where he's really smart, like, that kind of is intriguing about him. But, like, it, I felt like I wanted there to be more, like, triggers of, like, okay, that's why that triggered this. Or, like... You see him unravel a little bit, but like he doesn't unravel. He's just already unraveled. What? He's no, just, he, he, he is, is what he is. He gets from the first scene of the movie. No, he just learns a new trade and he, he gets better yeah, and, and better. And that's at a little it. bit intriguing. It is, it is. I liked the movie. I just, I feel like they could have done so much more with that character than what they did. And they could have made me more 
conflicted about liking him or not liking him than they did because there are a lot of points in time where you're like hmm well that that's kind of a smart thing to do there or I wonder if I would do that there but like because I don't know he just doesn't progress anywhere so you just identify less with him. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree that there there isn't an arc, I de- or there's not a significant arc. But I think part of that is there are scenes in in this film where the dialogue you think one thing is happening, or you think that it's just kind of a standard scene, and then in his same delivery, which one of the things I liked about his performance was his delivery. Um, you yeah. realize that there's some crazy stuff going on, mm-hmm. like in the middle of of dialogue. And so one of the things that I liked about it is specifically, even though there wasn't an arc like he changed, you kind of had to figure out, is this guy crazy? Is he a sociopath? And is he just that the entire time? Or is there actually growth, you know, that happens? I don't think you have to figure that out what at all. I think from the saying? first scene of the movie, you know yeah. he is. Yeah. The, 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 and that's the, what I, I wish that you had to figure it out. I would no, like it better see, if you had to figure it out as you I think I think they establish at the very beginning of the film that he is willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the goal that he has. Like, I feel like that that's what they're trying to say. And he, he, he wears a piece of jewelry through the, the entire film to bring you back to that point. Sure. And remind you that, that is, that's the case, that he is willing to do anything it takes to accomplish yeah, these set of goals. I didn't and that never that changes. Would, yeah, but I didn't, right. I, I didn't get that he would do anything that it takes right at the very beginning. At the very beginning, what? it just... Well, that, that's one of that's one of the starkest instances of him doing yeah. whatever yeah. it takes. Exactly. And he never, yeah, he never but there possibly are levels. The, the most. Yeah, but there. Okay, so we need to get into spoilers. If we're going to talk. Yeah, about we that. do. Well, hang, hang on. But, okay, but let's let's just for a second though. But I still find it fascinating. It, this isn't one of those uh, Hollywood films where the person goes, like you saying, through that full on. I'm going to change it. It's more like I, I, he he goes to a new job figures it out and gets really, really good at it and then learns that he can twist it a little bit and be even better at it um, and, and give the people what they want even more so. And I find that, to, it, for me, it was like that, that twisting of like Gone Girl and um, oh, what was the Leonardo DiCaprio film? The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, <laughs> it's that kind of like, I mean, this guy is the, the, the Wolf of Wall Street. It's the same exact thing. He's just a different trade. He's, he's doing a different job, but he's willing to go to any any means he possibly can lie, steal, cheat, I mean, whatever. And he's willing to do that to be good at what he does and, and give people an impression of himself that is maybe a little bit better than, than what he really is. I found that fascinating. And I think it was quite amazing. Even if his quote unquote character doesn't change, he still gets better at what he's doing. So anyway, I thought that was awesome. And both of those movies are way better than this one. But <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I need no, to I... see both of them. I'm such yeah. a loser. <laughs> Gone Girl. I, I want to see both of those. I really do. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I agree with you that both of those films are better, but they're not way better. I feel like I think they're way better. Um, they're way I better. They're and way both better. of those, you can't even compare. Like both of those films, you see unraveling, you see triggers, you feel tension, you right, question. Okay. All right. All right, yeah, yeah Wolf of Wall Street was don't. in my top five of of last year. That's one of, I love that movie. I, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, I had huge problems with. I wasn't a huge fan of that film but Gone Girl I really liked a lot I'm just saying that feeling the character the willingness to do anything and the 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 impact it has on media and all that yeah. stuff I, I don't know I, well, I really enjoyed it when the video game Wolf of Wall Street comes out we should play that with your kids Chris <laughs> let's do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so we've gone through our rather copious general opinions final wrap up 
should our listeners, our esteemed listeners, see the movie? Chad? Yeah, I think so. Um, not just for Jake Gyllenhaal. We haven't mentioned her, but Renee Russo has a, a turn in here that I think is also very, very good. They have undeniable chemistry, and it's for all kinds of different reasons. Um, but her performance is is very good, uh, and it's never boring. It's in, It's infinitely watchable. It's always... Mm. And there are in, there are scenes within this movie that are just spectacular, where mm-hmm. uh, you'll be riveted. So, I think as a complete piece, it's not as effective as I wanted it to be, but it's worth it just for some individual moments and in the performances. Okay, Melody. Yes, I definitely think it's worth watching. I don't know that it has to be seen in a theater. Like you could probably wait, you know, and see it when it comes out on demand, but. Definitely worth the watch. Great, great performances. And it, it is. You'll be you'll be drawn into the story the whole time. It's thrilling. It's compelling. It's just nothing earth shattering. <laughs> That's two yeses or one yes and a kind of yes. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I definitely think you should see it. If you if you you said it's not a thriller, Josh, but it does have very thrilling moments in it. Moments where you will be holding your breath, wondering what is going to happen next. Uh, one of the person that we didn't actually mention, Bill Paxson, is in this thing, mm-hmm. and he is really, really quite good. So I see a lot of good stuff in the film. There obviously are problems, but I think above and beyond, you will enjoy this film if you see it, whether it's in the theater or at home. What about you, Josh? All right. Well, so the fact that it's not a thriller and has thrilling moments is another negative against it that I didn't get into that we'll talk about a little bit in spoilers. <laughs> um, so my answer is skip it, wait for On Demand, and then only if you don't have anything else better to watch. Or you really like Jake Gyllenhaal. He gives a great performance. There are other great performances in this movie. But overall, it's just a meh for me. I remember in the theater, the longer... The farther we got into the movie, the less I liked it. And by the end, I was just kind of annoyed at the whole experience. But anyways, meh. Spoilers. <laughs> Is it a spoiler to say that um, the main character reminds me a lot of you, Josh? Oh, dear. That oh, is not boy. true. <laughs> That's the reason why you really had the problems with it, Josh. It's because you That's true. You hit a little too close to home. <laughs> All right. Whatever. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. All right, back for spoilers. And since I teased it right before the break there... Um, so towards the end of the movie where he, you know, he waits to call the cops until something happens and then suddenly he turns into the world's best stunt driver like that scene in Now You See Me. Where did that come from and why? It was by far the most thrilling scene in the movie, but it seemed completely out of place. Did anyone else get that impression? No. No. Okay. I mean, the guy's got, he's definitely like extremely quick to adapt to new, to like learn new things. So I kind of went along with the driving thing, but. Well, he had, there was no 
there was no lead up to him learning to drive well, like that. Well, no, that's not true. I, that was but by that by that point every night of the of the yeah. year he's driving and chasing down all kinds of different action. I mean, ambulances and wrecks and all kinds of stuff and it it clearly shows even from his first interaction with his uh, assistant that he's driving fast down these roads. I think all the it's, time. I that's, really do that's, think that's pretty well established. That's that a completely different thing than driving around cars that are actively wrecking, driving through rolling over SUVs. I mean, come on. There were only two cars that wrecked. One was the police car thing at the end, and then the one before that where the police car got hit. Okay, so that's car. cars, plural, and I said cars. Is there a problem? Do we have a Yeah, but the way you make it sound like it's going yeah. through Armageddon, and that's not how it was at all. <laughs> it, you make it the sound scene like bad boys, like too. It was you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not that. It's not an action movie. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a not until chase. this scene. Of all, it, of all the things that you could pick to not like about this yeah. movie. Yes. <laughs> that was a really good scene. I mentioned it yet. I've got other things. Let's, all right, let's okay. keep going. Here. All right, let's you, keep going. You mentioned yes. something about the opening scene. Yeah, I don't I don't see how you guys and again I'm not I'm not I don't feel passionately about this one or the other, but I didn't take from that first scene that this guy was like a ruthless, would do anything, whatever. What I saw from that was a guy who was clipping wire wire cutters to steal this fence because he was a thief and he saw the, you know, he saw the wristwatch and he beat the guy up and took his watch and then he went and sold it. Uh, and then the guy even said, I wouldn't hire a thief. And then the next thing you see, he steals a bicycle. And so as it goes along, the things that he did, the, the bad things, quote unquote, began to escalate throughout the film, which I thought was consistent with kind of where if there's any arc in this, it was that maybe at the beginning he's just, you know, he's certainly a sociopath from the beginning. But I felt like there was a line that he crossed, certainly when it got to the part where he, you know, went into the into the home and got right up on the, you know, saw the the people get shot and all that. I think at that point he's crossed a line into a darker place. I didn't feel like he was just this maniac from the beginning. What line was that? That's that, that, that besides not telling the cops about the the line was that is at the end. He told his partner that the guy was alive and then let him get gunned down. That's why I don't think he starts off as that person in the very beginning. I don't, I don't think so. No, 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 no. See, so the, the, the point for me, okay. So you're saying he got beat up. I took it and I thought the movie was telling us he killed him. Oh, Uh, no, I didn't see okay. that. I felt either. like you did. All right. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe then we have a completely different because that, that's what it do. seemed like to me is, is that he he killed him at the beginning. No, I did not uh, get that at all. I don't think okay. they tell us, so I can't really weigh in. It, it yeah. kind of yeah. seemed that way, but they yeah. cut away. He could have just knocked him out. But I, even, I don't, yeah. I mean, even if he didn't kill him to like physically assault like a completely innocent person just to steal their watch is like pretty hardcore sure I mean, it's establishing the fact I, that he's a thief that he's a thief no, no that's more than no, a thief no a he's thief yeah, is assault. not like physical assault like that he's desperate and will go to any length to accomplish the goal that he has that yeah, is and he's that's desperate a for a watch what? it's not like he's it's not like he has any sort of like motives that would be worthwhile he, he he's no, yeah. I'm not assaulting this man I for a watch i don't think he has any redeeming qualities but it's a stretch for me to set to see what was presented in that first scene and say he's a murderer. I didn't. I did not get that at all. There are people that will mug you and beat you up and take your wallet. That doesn't make them homicidal. So that's. I just didn't take that from the beginning. That's well, not. So that's not how I saw it. So taking a step back from that, though, we start off like you say with two crimes. Whether or not he murders someone, he steals that stuff, tries to resell it for a chop shop, beats the guy up, steals his watch, then steals a bike. 
And then we like take a step backwards into these crimes of omission that he commits throughout the rest of the movie. If he were right. really such a sociopath and he were really so desperate to achieve his goal, he would go out and make news. And he doesn't. Yeah, that's he just kind of lets it, it happen going. and stands no, off to the side. No, that's not true. That's he where does. the trailers led me to believe it was going. That's where the movie led me to believe it was going. And but it, it takes this weird step back into he has half a conscience, and I really don't know what we're supposed to... Is yeah. he an anti-hero? Like, is he a villain? The, what the is it? The climax is nothing that he caused. He just stumbled upon it. No, 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 no. He does cause. It, he's willing to do anything what? to get the shot, right? So here's... No, exactly, it is. So the, the, there's a point in the film, and the turning point was he comes across a wreck before anybody's there, and to get the better shot, he moves a body. He, you know, he, instead of helping, instead of doing what would be a natural kind of human instinct to help, he instead sits back, sets up his camera, realizes it's not a very good shot, goes ahead, moves things around, makes things look a little bit better, gets the shot, and then he applies that even further when the home is broken into. He makes sure he gets all his stuff. He doesn't, obviously, he's not going to, you know, get into any other kind of, um, a, uh, uh, any kind of altercation, but then realizes, before that even, you know, he sees the guys. He's not going to tell the cops about. He's going to use that piece of information later as currency to get what he wants. He's willing to do anything in order to get what he wants. And at the end, you're saying he doesn't do anything. Of course he does. He knew the guy was still alive. And in order to get the better shot, he had his his uh, whatever his employee walk in front of a gun to get a better shot where he knew he was going to get shot or maybe even killed. Yeah. And he's willing to do that. That. That is crazy. What are you talking about? He, of course he's willing. Nobody's saying he's not crazy. I thought that it was going to the place where like he was the one causing right. the, the large scale he's... fires, accidents, deaths or whatever. Yeah, but he's the not. Thing. He's just. Exactly. Well, I never saw a trailer for this, so I, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't realize that. Well, even if I hadn't seen a trailer like that would be a progression started. that would be more compelling to me. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, he I, does I mean, where do the movie that. started, he, it has to ramp up. Otherwise, does, it, it uh, just it did ramp he does, up. He does do that with Bill Paxson's character. Uh, yes, right. okay, and but that's does, like in the middle of the movie, and then the he goes of, back to this other thing. Yes, but, but guys, he didn't go back to the other thing. Yeah, he yeah. he hid in, he hid evidence from the police, which is Crimes a crime. Of omission. It's omission. still a crime. A crime is a crime. He hid it and then called the police. And, by the way, said that the guy had a gun before he actually knew that the guy had a gun. So he planted that in order to cause a shootout, even yeah. before we saw he, the guy had a gun. He, so he, he was that. doing that the entire time. It, it ramped up. Yeah. That's my whole point. <laughs> Absolutely he did. And I, I feel like that, that is, he's just smart about it. And I think even you guys saying that he didn't do that, I think that's the, a part of the movie that's pretty darn smart. Is that like he did it such in a minute level that it was almost like watching what is the those machines call uh, that you'd start you know like the um, dominoes and it goes down and does another thing. What are those machines called that do domino oh. rally? What? No, no, no. You know what it's called? Those anyway. Rube, Rube Goldberg machines. Thank yeah. you. And that's what it is. He 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 did a little movement and then he watches the ripple effect occur. And he got exactly what he wanted. He got better and better and better at it until that last, that last scene was literally, like you said, there was a huge, there was a huge shootout and and chase and all that stuff. Like he got exactly what he wanted. He he's getting bigger and bigger and better and better, and he's getting better at hiding that. The stuff you guys want will be in the sequel. Exactly. <laughs> well, like to me, no. like or or the progression will be like I know what I know what you're saying. I know he's very smart. I know he caused the shootout that could have maybe possibly happened anyways if someone had just 
called the cops or whatever. I get all of that. But like, I, I don't know. I think it would have been more, maybe more fulfilling or more compelling if he, he's really smart. He's really smart. And then he pushes the line too far. Do you know what I mean? And, and gets caught or, or whatever. Uh, or there's some bigger consequence than. I thought he pushed it too far. But yeah. Well, I he, don't know how much he pushes it, push it too far, but he gets away with it. Well, uh, then that's, that's great. wonderful. It's yeah. a wonderful Why end of the movie. Why is that great? Because it's, it's America. Well, <laughs> exactly, right? He gets what he wants. I mean, that's the point of this movie. It is a good movie for that character. When your, he, when your skill set is high, and you can get away with anything. I mean, he literally, I mean, that's the thing. He's like, he's like spouting off these like uh, self-help like uh, one-liners and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it actually works. I loved it. Like, I thought that was a good kind of like, he, he so actually got what he wanted. So that's what it is. It's a wanted. personal growth message it's for a you. Self, it's, it's a self-help. <laughs> and it is. And, and I think that's the point. That's another point that the movie is trying to make is, is that like, if you're willing to do whatever it takes to get what you want, you will. And Literally, your success in life is now suspect, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm just saying, like that—that's kind of a, another message. I feel like the movie is trying to to get out and to make, and I think it does a really good job of it. So, anyway, I just I don't know, know why we went back and forth between him using other people to get right. what he wants, and then, like in the middle of the movie, he just cuts this guy's brake lines, and yeah, then he to goes back to being wanted. an observer. I don't. Well, be- I, because he knew, you know, it does make sense because that that man represented his biggest competition, and if he existed, he would not continue his goal. He would not be able to meet. There was nothing else he could do. He had to stop him, and so that's what he did, and also turned it into a media circus so he could get paid. I mean, what else? What what better way to do that than to get rid of your rival and also in in the middle? Nobody's of saying it's a that bad was, idea. What we're that was very good. Blue Bloom delivery, there, Chris. <laughs> What did the I say? progression <laughs> of the plot is just kind of weird. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Well, a couple things though, before we go. We need to go pretty quickly since we have uh, a little small movie to talk about after this one. <laughs> I, know, right? is, I, um, uh, I loved two scenes in particular. The, the scene at the end, right before the end, when he's negotiating with his, uh, his employee about the cut that he's going to get you know, from the reward. <laughs> The dialogue and the delivery in that scene was just, I mean, I felt at any moment I was waiting for like yeah. a rattlesnake to strike. Like it yep. was just going to be something. The tension it, was just and so it did. great. And it didn't. And it didn't. It that, did. that, was, that was the thing I really appreciated because I expected him to literally wring his neck. Yeah. Like, yeah. it did. That scene and then the scene where he's negotiating, quote unquote, with Rene Russo's character at dinner. And he makes it clear to her, you know, that he, he expects her to sleep with him. The way that that scene unfolds is just unbelievable i thought the writing was really sharp and then when you actually hear what he just asked and then the way that he pursues it that Uh that scene by itself is just wonderful if i wish that tone was actually more consistent throughout the whole film but that was that was wonderful wonderful stuff i agree agree speaking of that scene though what about a few minutes later when they're talking in the studio and he has some offhand comment about what you do in your apartment it, did it imply that they did sleep together? I was very oh, yeah. confused. Oh about yeah, that. yes, yeah. Yes, that's yes. why I loved it. Is it didn't it didn't spell it out for you? But yeah, it implied that she's been you know doing what she had to do. Yep. Yeah. All right. Enjoy talking about Interstellar. I'm gonna go read Neil deGrasse Tyson's review of it or watch it. <laughs> don't don't do that. Go uh, see the movie. You need to see the movie. If you're gonna listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about it, why not listen to us talk about? Yeah. It? We're way smarter. yeah we are on that note i watch star trek
All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our Nightcrawler discussion because uh, we do have another very exciting movie to talk about. So, Josh, thank you for being with us for Nightcrawler, and I hope that you will go see Interstellar very soon. And many fair returns to you as well. <laughs> Night, everyone. <laughs> see you, man. See you, Josh. See you, Josh. All right. Let's go to Interstellar. Welcome to the main event. With a filmography ranging from Memento to Batman, Christopher Nolan has established himself as a director of note whose name alone on the marquee can pull people into the theater. His latest is Interstellar. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to give it something socially responsible to do. Can't we just let it go? This thing needs to learn how to adapt, Murph. Again, let's mask up. Like the rest of us. This world's a treasure. It's been telling us to leave for a while now. Your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. You're the best pilot we ever had. Get out there and save the world. Everybody ready to say goodbye to our solar system? To our galaxy. Here we go. We have a mission. Our mission does not work if the people on Earth are dead by the time we pull it off. You might have to decide between seeing your children again and the future of the human race. We'll find a way that we always have. The IMDb description says, A team of explorers travel through a wormhole in an attempt to find a potentially habitable planet that will sustain humanity. All right, guys. Mm. Chris Nolan is back. Uh, yes. One thing that we can always count on from a Christopher Nolan film is that it's going to give us a lot to chew on, a lot to discuss, even if he's in the world of Batman. But he's moved on from the world of Batman into the world of theoretical physics, multidimensional interplay, and time-space relativity. Sounds like an exciting movie, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So I am very interested to hear what you guys felt about this movie, uh, Interstellar. And we're going to do our best to uh, talk in generalities. Uh, but I have a feeling that that discussion will be relatively brief. <laughs> yes, it has uh, to be. It's going to yeah. be very, very difficult to talk about this movie without, number one, without a textbook. And then number two, <laughs> uh, without being very specific about it. So um, with that in mind, why don't you guys tell me a little bit just in general, uh, very briefly, what you thought or what you think about Chris Nolan's movies in general, uh, and then tell me what you thought about Interstellar. And so, Melody, we know you're a big sci-fi fan, and this is about as sci-fi as you can get in the purest sense. So what did you think? What do you think about Chris Nolan, and what do you think about Interstellar? Obviously, you guys know I'm a huge sci-fi fan, and I'm absolutely a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I love pretty much every single one of his films, um, although some Batman Batmans are better than others. But yes, all the are. other ones, like... Love, 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 love them so much, for sure. Um, so, obviously, I was hugely excited about this movie. I tried to stay away from uh, engaging too much in the trailers and the pre-movie hype. But, I mean, like, I did watch them because, well, I just had to at least watch the trailer. So, um, okay, first of all, I loved the movie. Loved it, loved it, loved it more <laughs> than I could probably adequately express, um, as per the usual with Christopher Nolan. And I don't, I don't think that the trailers ruined it for me. Um, maybe a little bit, but I, I was still definitely 
like captivated by every second of the film and very inspired by the storytelling, by the um, depth of engagement with the content and with the ideas. Like as a storyteller, Christopher Nolan inspires me hugely. I think the acting in this movie was was really good because I didn't think about the acting. Um, You know, I I didn't even give like a moment's thought while I was watching. Um, I just like I just watched. I just experienced the story and I just experienced the characters. And I didn't think like, oh, Matthew McConaughey's doing a really good job here because I didn't think about watching Matthew McConaughey. I was just watching this story, Um, which like I think is is usually the best kind of acting. And like I'll even say. I did not expect to say this. Even Jessica Chastain did a great job in this movie. Yes. Even Jessica. I love Jessica Chastain. Melody's not a fan. I love her. I hate Jessica Chastain so much. I can't even. That sounds like it's a personal thing. You hate her? I don't understand. I don't usually have that reaction to people. If her car broke down on the side of the road, would you have her? I don't know why I have such a problem with her, (laughs) but I really do. I feel like she has absolutely. No personality and emotion oh whatsoever. Gosh, but except disagree. for this film, except for this film, she was she was Ugh. perfect. I think she was perfect for that role. I think she completely uh, represented the child actor. Like they absolutely seemed like the same person, which was really cool. Um, and I think she, I think she did a great job. It's hard it's hard to say more of what I thought without going into spoilers, except to say that the the tension in this movie is very intriguing because it is not the typical tension of a, of a sci-fi space exploration film. Um, And I, I probably shouldn't say a whole lot more than that, but um, the tension comes from other influences rather than what you would expect. And so some people may find that boring or less engaging um, if they're expecting something different. But I found it awesome. So I loved the movie, and I'll say much more later. Okay. Have you seen The Tree of Life? No. Yeah, you need to see The Tree of Life, then I think she'll, okay. she'll turn you around. All right, Chris, what did you think about Interstellar? Should I talk a little bit about Chris yeah, Nolan Chris first? Nolan, yeah, absolutely. Christopher Nolan is one of the finest filmmakers around right now. He is kind of our Chris, bringing Spielberg. the thunder, bringing it. He <laughs> is one of the very best visual storytellers, and he... I don't know. I, I just really love, especially with what he does here with a camera on Interstellar. There aren't a whole lot of sequences um, that are wide shots of space. I mean, there are a few, but it, it, even those are very few far between where he places the camera feels very real, like is what you would see from NASA. It's attached to the side of the, of the, uh, of the spaceship and you're experiencing everything very much firsthand. We are in in the space of our main character for most of this film. And I love movies, specifically science fiction films, that do an amazing job of, number one, playing with science, giving you, you know, that space to kind of, you know, pun intended, that space to kind of move around in and afterwards say, whoa, how do, how do wormholes work and how do black holes work and you know, relativity and time shift and all that. Wow, that's really cool concepts. But then also is telling a story about the human condition 
and the heart and love and being able to mix those two world those two worlds are sometimes very very difficult um, and and don't often work out very well so no, most of the time you get a action film with science fiction elements and then you get a very kind of art house you know sci-fi a little bit of sci-fi elements but a lot of kind of character driven stuff and i feel like interstellar is a perfect melding of those two things for me there wow. are sequences in this film there's lines of dialogue that could be very corny and oh, yeah. uh, and and i felt like even watching it i was like i really feel like this should be corny right now but for some reason i'm buying it and i'm really actually quite enjoying it and that's for me that's what really um, separates interstellar from just about everything else out there Th- this has action in it this has science and science fiction elements in it like in its truest sense like you were talking about chad but i felt like it was an amazing film and it is a ride and it is incredible from beginning to end i feel like um the special effects in this film will not um age badly i think we'll look back in this at even 30 years and we'll see it the same way that we see you know like 2001 or um you know any of those over I, I really feel like he doesn't go overboard one way or the other but i feel like this is just a really well-balanced well-told story that is in my opinion one of the very best ever i i love this film <laughs> one of the best movies ever one of the best movies wow. ever uh, i love this film on in every single level and uh i i just anyway so anyway i i obviously we can go into plot detail but i feel like if you like science fiction like real science fiction that dives in and you're not willing to go crazy and go with kind of some visual representations of scientific ideas you're gonna like this movie like it is ugh, it's 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 beautiful anyway so wow. chad so if you. this film were broken down on the side of the road would you change its tire oh, if dude, jessica chastain I, was driving it i would <laughs> lord i would i'd i'd i'd, I'd bring that don't tell us home. what you would do don't tell please you don't do. please <laughs> that's stop that's enough I've wow. already gotten myself into it because <laughs> I've also been talking about like space exploration lately because we've had right. two failed space exploration things. We just landed a comet, uh, a thing, uh, 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 a craft on a comet today. Right. Yeah. And so I love space exploration. All this stuff just is it, it is who I am. One I mean, of it the just greatest is who I am. films of all time. That is high praise. That is high praise. Well, there are a few things that I I really love about Christopher Nolan. One is that he shoots on film. Uh, I am unashamed about my love for film and the the look that you can get on film, and this this is no different. He shot this on seventy millimeter and in I'm on IMAX, yeah, uh, and it's gorgeous. Uh, I lo- it looks like a movie. Oh, I love it. It does. It's colored it. so it's well so too. There grading, is so much good yeah, color. The color yeah. grading is beautiful. It's just cinematic, and so I, I loved, loved, loved it. Unlike Melody, though, I never. I watched maybe the first. I want to say maybe half of the first teaser trailer that was released in the theater. And then as soon as I realized what I was seeing I, I, in the theater, I closed my eyes because I didn't want to see anything about it because Christopher Nolan has long since earned, as I mentioned at the beginning, directed by automatic C status, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. uh, whatever he's making, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see it because I know at the very, very least I'm going to be, it's going to be something that's interesting and it's going to be something that's visually striking. And this did not disappoint. Um, I was not a huge fan of Inception. I think it's a good film. I don't think it's a great film. Uh, and I really disliked, as is well documented, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, <laughs> and so f- for me, 
my expectations were a little bit tempered just because of those last two films. I was like, well, you know, could be. And Interstellar is certainly much, much better uh, than both of those. Um, This is a movie that I actually don't think that this is a movie that is tailor-made for general audiences because there's really not a ton of action. There there is action, and the action is thrilling, but there's not a ton of action. Um, There is tons of melodrama. Um, There are times... There, and, I, and let me go on record as saying I'm somebody that embraces melodrama. I love Grey's Anatomy. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, if As long as it's done well in the so construct ev- of the universe. Everything I'm, you say after that, Chad, though, is I lose credibility. I, like, I get it. I get it. Grey's Anatomy. No, but what right. I'm saying is that like, I feel like even, that is a very misleading statement. It is. Grey's Anatomy There's is no a very, melodrama like Grey's Anatomy that's no, in Interstellar. No, and, I, no, and I'm not saying that it is. I'm just making my point that I'm trying to make just is clarifying. that. clarifying. Yeah, the point I'm making is that I I don't hate melodrama for the sake of hating melodrama. I embrace that kind of stuff. This movie goes, you know, Chris, you say there are some lines in there that could be considered cheesy. There are lots of moments that could be considered very manipulative and melodramatic, and it's like played out to the farthest extent of human emotion that that could be played out Uh, and so and that's but the thing is within the within the story and in the construct of interstellar it works it Uh, it works and and i and i didn't i didn't mind it um but you know that you're being manipulated you you, you sit there and you realize like well I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about just kind of a couple couple of general things, and then we'll, and we'll jump into spoilers. One, I do have to say, ultimately, I'm not I'm not where you are, Chris. I don't think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, and I didn't love love I'm love, sorry. love 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 this movie. One of the greatest ever movies ever made for me. Oh, let, for you, let me clarify okay, that. Cool. I because this is this is who I am. I love space sure. exploration, science fiction. It's just. For me, I was eating up every moment. You know I what? realized and, it's not one of the best movies ever, but for me, it's one of my very favorite films. Does yeah, that make but you sense? Know, you know what, though? I don't even think you need to clarify that because I think, I, at least for the screeners and at least for me, I think that everything that we see should be colored through this is for us, right? Because yeah, yeah, who who yeah, can oh, say what yeah, is the best movie yeah. of all time? It's for you. It's for I you. I got it. I got it. Yeah. You know, so I get that. So, But for me, this is a movie that I think was, that I did love, uh, that I – maybe not love maybe like plus 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 <laughs> but um it gets a little bit there there are some things in there where it just it got a little bit off the rails for me and we'll talk about that in specific but one thing i do have to say i love those robots tars and case oh, oh yeah just, just a second though so the first great. time you that saw spoiler? it the first time you no. saw it though didn't you think that's kind of stupid but well, then well the first time i saw it without talking about where i saw it yeah. i was intrigued by the design of the of the robot yeah. itself <laughs> well of course uh, and i was like okay whatever i dig that but then as they as they explain how they work and their senses of humor and the scale and all that i was like that Got is so better great. and that better and better and better it's so great it's yep. so great um, and possibly just, one of the best parts of the movie <laughs> no no doubt about it but this movie it's complicated the construct of it is it forces you to pay attention and I'm always going to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to, to films that make you sit up and pay attention and try to understand what's going on. I love the fact that the an actual theoretical physicist, Kip Thorne, who was also a consultant on the film, this movie kind of is based on his theories and he yeah. was a consultant. And, um, you know, but it has been getting a lot of online, like a lot of, you know, the 20 plot holes and all this stuff. And that kind of stuff really aggravates me because stupid. It's so stupid. Ultimately, they made a a very good effort to try and keep the known science accurate. 
But mm-hmm. at some point, you don't know some stuff. And so they're speculating. <laughs> and number two, guys, we're making a freaking movie here. It's a movie. We're trying exactly. to tell a story. And so sometimes uh-huh. you have to be loose with the plot to ensure the integrity of the story. So that stuff makes me very angry. But but overall, uh, it seems like it seems like you guys liked it as much. Is there anything else in general we want to talk about before we you know jump into spoilers? Well, just the fact that I feel like anybody should see this, should see it in IMAX, as big a theater, as big a screen, as as big a crowd. Like this is for me. Even you say it's not for general audiences, and I I I'd probably agree with that. But I think that that's one of the charming things about the fact that Christopher Nolan gets to choose what he does. Absolutely. And so if it wasn't for him, this movie wouldn't have gotten made. No doubt. It just it, it is. That's yeah. true. But that's the reason why you should go see it is because. It would not exist if not for Christopher Nolan's passion about it, and and this is just I don't know I, I yeah I follow him al- along and and I want to learn everything I can learn from Christopher Nolan, and I'm sure I'll be watching this film dozens of times and just kind of learning what he did and why he did it, and it's just one of those movies that you can go back and experience and 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 relive over and over again and and not i feel like have the same experience every time so i feel like i'm a little bit afraid to rewatch it over and over again i feel like i might not love it quite as much i disagree i disagree you're right i I feel like there's a lot of detail in it that i i even missed and this is a point too i'm sorry i should make real quick that i wanted to say and melanie and i talked about it just briefly but i feel like uh even though it's not for general audiences, I feel like if you sit there and watch it, you'll understand what's going on. Sure. Un- unlike other films that I watch, they're trying to be smarter than the audience, and at the end you're like, now what happened here, and why did that happen? If you're watching the movie and paying attention, you know what happened. Absolutely. Well, okay. I don't know if that's completely true. It's been, and I'll really? tell you why. Because after, the, after we saw the movie, yeah. I went into the bathroom at the theater, and they were like, a ton of people in there talking like, I have no idea what just happened. Like, what? Woo-woo. And I'm, I can't well, say because that would be spoilers. But it was a pretty hysterical conversation. Yeah, that I, heard I, this, I heard the same things. But again, like, I feel like if, if you're if you come into it with a little bit of knowledge, this is a science fiction film. Right. Well, you're going to understand what's going on. I actually agree with you, Chris, in that this movie does lend itself to unpacking a lot of the science behind it. Like people aren't walking out of this movie going, oh, the Tesseract. uh, It's clear that this nobody's doing that. Right. Oh, most people are having that conversation in the bathroom and who are much more casual observers of film than we are. And they're saying, what in the world is that? You know, I don't get it. But I agree that unlike most movies that that are this cerebral. You can watch this movie and, on a surface level, essentially understand everything that's happening. True. I agree with that from, top, from they, top to bottom. Because they answer the questions that they ask. They do. Which is right. not they, always normal. They do because the dialogue is extremely expository, extremely often. But we'll talk about that in spoilers. Right. <laughs> and that's not, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, it's a bad thing. Well, it's a bad thing, I don't, Chris. I don't think so. I don't Listen, think so. I don't blame them. Look, when you're talking about theoretical physics and multidimensional you know, time shifting, you're going to have to have some exposition. So I don't blame them, but, you know, come on. There were literally paragraphs in here where they were like, and if you do this and then this happens and then look, I'll punch a hole through the paper and this is how this works. I mean, come on. Why is everybody, they, they why is everybody mentioning the paper? Yeah, but why is everybody mentioning that? That is the best way to explain that concept. Why, why wouldn't you use that? What else oh, are you no, no, 
know, I, again, that's my point. What else are you going to do? So I don't, I, but you've got it. You've got to tell the audience what you're going to do. You can't sit there and be I like, agree. And you'll that's get not, this. but that's not the only time that happened. That was, it happened quite a bit, but that's okay. Every, everybody's bringing that up. And that makes me so all the reviews are like, Oh, they use the pin through the whole thing. Did they use it in event horizon? And they talked about it. I'm like, yeah, cause it's a really freaking great example of how, wormholes work yeah and that was one of about okay. 20 places exactly. where they used exposition so <laughs> it's okay. so we'll what? give you one <laughs> anyway but but let me say I, people should see this movie they should see it in imax now b- real quick before we get into spoilers i really felt this is the first movie i've ever seen where i honestly thought i was my eardrum was gonna burst and i was going deaf oh, yes. yes i don't yes. know if that was true for you guys but it was yes. so it was so loud that i felt the floor underneath me was shaking, which, yeah, no, it did. which it hypothetically did. sounds awesome, but it's not awesome. It was <laughs> so loud um, at times where I was just like, this is crazy town. Was it like that for you guys, too? It yes. was. We I've saw never it in been IMAX. in a movie that, that shook the seat and the floor like that ever. It's crazy. Like, it's the I first time like they... they had put something in the seat <laughs> or something. <laughs> like a new yeah. upgraded theater. The, the first time they experience. <laughs> the first time they cut to uh, the spaceship going through and this is just a jump cut cuz he had uh-huh. you know just like a fl- like a bird and it literally like oh my gosh wow this is insane. So loud. Oh, when he went in that spaceship it wasn't just the like the low tones that shook the seat it was also like the high tones oh, yeah. that like I don't, I was like, if this doesn't stop soon, I'm probably going to have to leave because I can't even fit, pay attention to what's on the screen. It was yeah. hurting my ears the so bad. The sheer amplitude was overwhelming. Yeah. It really yeah, was. I, I, and I heard a lot of people talking about that the IMAX sound had mixing issues, I guess. That, I, didn't that was hear, a, I didn't notice a, that. I just noticed a, it being very loud. Well, no, so I'm saying like sometimes you couldn't hear the dialogue over the visual, the sound effects or the sound uh. So anyway, like I heard that going in, so I was kind of expecting it, and there were parts where I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting choice to did, have that. Did you guys see it tone. in IMAX? We did. Well, yeah. line, well, like the line 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 IMAX. Guy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I didn't. I, I wasn't able to see that. I saw it in the big D version, which is Carmike's, I guess, mm-hmm. answer to IMAX or whatever. But anyway, so I, I'm I'm definitely positive on it. I think people should see it. It gives you a lot to chew on. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a return to form. I don't think this is as good as Nolan's best work, um, but it's just a step below for me. But I'm, which, I still say you should see which it. Which is his best work. Which is, yeah. For me, for me, it's clearly, it would be like Memento and The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight is yeah. as close to a perfect movie as has ever been made uh, as far as like in that genre for sure. And I love Memento. It's just, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so what about you, Chris? I'm, it's the greatest movie of all time, so I'm assuming you're going to recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> no, wait a minute. That's just- one of the very For best you. movies ever is what I said. <laughs> no, absolutely. I yes, everything about it. Yes, go see it. You will eat it up and enjoy it. And if you don't, you're a bad person. Okay. <laughs> <Melody>, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, go see it. Go see it in the theater. See it in IMAX if you can. Just know that it is. It 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 is an intelligent film. It is a sci-fi film. I don't think it is a film for everyone. But probably if you're listening to this podcast, you would like it. So go see it. Okay, so with that, let's move into spoilers. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. 
So here we are in spoilers where we'll try to figure out what we're saying, just like the rest of the world after they left this movie. <laughs> um, Melody, what did you mentioned earlier that there was a different kind of tension that or that the tension resulted from something different that wasn't uh, a traditional kind of trope within uh, film. So uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think typically in, in sci-fi movies and exploration movies and specifically in movies taking place in outer space, a lot of the tension is from mishaps that go wrong or or things that happen to the equipment or to the people on the spacecraft that that creates the drama in in that moment and up to the point where he goes into outer space it's kind of like one movie and then once he's gone i don't know i I, like you're kind of expecting something to go wrong or something to happen or like okay where's this movie going from here because you really don't know after that point you really don't have any idea where the movie's going and for so long, everything's really going fine. Like, launch, there's no problems. They find the other craft, there's no problems. They dock, there's no problems. They set a course to the wormhole, there's no problems. They use the hypersleep chambers, there's no problems. There's no problems, there's no real character interactions that are that compelling. And it's going along, like, they get through the wormhole, they get to the, the planets, and I'm thinking, like, nothing's happening here? Like, what is going on? But But still, there's this deep tension because of I think the the time that's passing and once they introduce the relativity or whatever that that is going to make time pass differently on different planets or whatever like I was like oh so that's like that's where the tension's going to be cuz that is horrifying absolutely and I mean you're so connected with this character and with his relationship with his kids like that's the tension that you're feeling and then you get there and you realize the decisions that he's going to have to make it it's not the tension that you're expecting it's not maybe the plot that you're expecting um and even like even when okay once they get down onto the planet's surface there is some action there and and that well, the water exciting. planet the water planet mm-hmm. but i mean well, it's not that's a water like planet. a five minute well, scene well whatever it, it, it's not like a, a big piece of the story the the big piece is they get back and it's been what 23 years remember, 23 years or whatever like, yeah, that that is pretty horrifying. So I don't know. I it was different and I do think that some people could find that boring. But yeah, yeah. I don't what? know. No, no, no. I do I, I agree. I agree just from the standpoint I don't I I was never bored, but I do think No, I wasn't bored. Right. No, but I I just, I know I, 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 I think a general audience could because there were times where it drug a little because the tension ha- you had in order for that kind of tension to work you have to really care about the characters and i right. think i do think yep. that i do think that nolan in this movie probably more than any other movie intentionally through melodramatic means yeah. tried to pour on a, an emotional connection so that people would care because if you don't care about the characters and the family then this movie would be a real slog but and, and that and at the end of that scene is a perfect example of the best of this movie when it comes to the emotional stuff so they get back to the to the uh, to the ship uh, they watch 23 years have passed and they watch those movies and they see their families growing up oh. and they now it was yeah. heartbreaking and the car- yeah. and and the camera stays on the character as they're watching oh, and, and it just his performance is oh. wonderful yeah. and and it was very very powerful so i love yeah. and again like this is one of those things like i feel like this movie can be explored in obviously a lot of different places but you know specifically just from like what they're trying to say and you know i i love the idea like the first planet that they go to you know, they're they're the the biggest thing they come up against is 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 nature, right? The gravitational pull of that sure. black hole is messed up that entire planet. 
And, you know, the reason why I love that, like the reason why they still have gotten a signal is because that signal only lasted a couple of minutes. Right. But it was Years decades. on the other side, yeah. I so love cool. that. that. What a great cool. concept. What a great thing. So nature is your is your is your biggest enemy there and then they go to the next planet and what's the biggest problem there man literally m a n n uh so like you know like i i love the idea that like nature and man and there's that tension of trying to find where we're supposed to be and like uh the consequences of, of all those things and like you said melody like time th- on that first planet was the was the enemy like sure. he's like how much time have passed and then the engines get all you know Water messed up yeah. and they have to wait and they're like how, how long is this going to take and there's like 45 minutes and they're like oh my gosh how much time is that actually going to be and what was like 20 years or whatever and they're just like oh, 20 years yeah that's insane yeah. by the yeah. time oh. we like it's been 23 years yeah it's but insane. it's oh. interesting to like like what is the story that this film is telling because it it's really not an adventure to find a new world it's and not. like that's kind of what you think it's going to be for a while and then you realize like that's not even the story no and i think this so, i think he wants the wait, story what's the, what's i think the story he wants the story it. to be about about something cuz there's a there's an elongated speech there where he talks about love and he she, talks uh, or and, she and talks about love excuse me talks about love and talks about how you know, ultimately, it's what makes us human. And obviously, they have the poem in there twice about raging against the dying of the light. Oh, several you know, times. Several it's times. Twice. Sure. So it's I think everywhere. I think the theme is uh, there's lots of different themes. But I, I think what it's trying to say, at least to me, what I took from it was that, you know, mankind is at its best when it is venturing into the unknown and it is exploring. And the reason that we do that is for each other, not for even for survival necessarily. I don't know. I mean, there's there's yeah. so many different kinds of themes that it that it could be. Well, and and yeah. that's true, too. And, and even like um, the concept of the who who was that it was talk, we were talking with somebody about the idea of the population bomb. Like, right. Um, like that was an interesting, like something I'd not really thought about very much, even in the world of sci-fi. Wow, that actually having diversity what a of cool concepts. Like yeah. we we've got to preserve our culture. Maybe not everybody can survive on Earth, but we're going to start a new civilization, and we're bringing the tool in order to do that. Like sure. I, I thought that there's so many cool science fiction there science are. concepts in here that are just like go pat go by real fast. Yeah. Yeah, but it's could legit. Be movies on it's, their own. It's, it's, it's definitely like a a huge undertaking to tell this entire story. Like pieces of this film could be an entire film yeah. in and of themselves, yeah, yeah. and to tell this entire story is a, a very big undertaking. And I think he does like the best job possible. Yeah, in telling it because I, to me, like it's yeah, like you said, Chad, it's basically the point is that the human the human race will survive and it is more about love than it is just about survival or whatever but i don't know i i I think i felt a little bit dissatisfied in the ending because it was weird that like for so long the story is the dad getting back to his kids and and restoring that relationship and following through on his promises and i felt a little bit dissatisfied in their in their um in their 45 interaction and then she tells him to go back which he doesn't like why does he care to go back to her they didn't really have a i relationship. really i honestly feel like we're gonna see a elongated director's cut of this film with a little bit more information there because i think at that point in the movie like everything's finished and i've got a feeling christopher nolan sitting in there in the editing bay was like 
boy, maybe instead of this being a three and a half hour film, we should probably cut back 15 minutes because I, I do feel like they're it rushed real fast um, getting him to the what was it called? Cooper Station and meeting his daughter sure. and then him stealing a spacecraft for some reason right. and then heading back to Anne Hathaway. I still bought it. I still liked it, but that felt rushed and I would have been willing to stay on Cooper Station for a little bit longer. But I know obviously time and relativity and all that was playing a little bit too, I think. Um, he yeah, because even though it had been in, I guess, in normal time, in Earth time, it had been over almost 90 years on where Anne Hathaway, Dr. Brand, where she would have been, um, because of the the time shift, it would have only been just very recently that she would have landed. Right. Um, but I, you know, I read an interesting theory. I don't know if you guys saw it. I read a theory online that some people are are saying that Cooper actually died when he oh, ejected. That's, stupid. <laughs> that's the well, dumbest. I don't. Thing but I've I ever don't think heard. it's the dumbest thing. I really don't. I, I I don't believe it. I don't think that's what what Nolan was saying. But if you, it's not the dumbest thing. If you had this elongated speech from Matt Damon talking about when a human dies, the last thing that they do is they see their children and they see the things that they want to care for because the human brain is, even at that moment of death, is trying to show you something so that you can protect them. And yeah. so, you know, they're saying that, you know, he ejected and it was only a couple of seconds before he died. And that sure. the whole thing that he saw was himself trying to go back and save his children, even though he was dead. So all the gravitational issues on earth that he experienced earlier were caused by Well, no, that again, I'm just just telling you what it, that, again, that's a plot hole. If you want to try to connect all the dots, then Like maybe you know. he actually was a ghost in the bookshelf, not yeah. an actual Who knows? living. Who knows? Well, one, one that's, thing That's I, dumb. I don't think it's dumb. I think it's I think it's I, I think it's as valid as a lot as as just exactly. as a lot of the other theories, I, but I, I I think you have to accept in my opinion, if you're watching that movie, you have to accept that he is the one who is changing gravitational pull. He is the one who is setting the clock second hand yeah, back I think, and forth. But he could do all of that as a as a being that wasn't like alive as a as a human oh. coming back. Okay, sure. I, I'll accept that as long as you're telling me that he actually in the wormhole traveled through time and space to communicate with his daughter to save the human race. Then yes. Otherwise, without that bit, I feel like the movie falls apart. If you're saying that he died yeah, before that, true. Then but I'm without, not interested. But in this without movie. without nerding out too much, though, there's there's kind of a paradox then that is that is created because the idea is that the the tesseract is in the wormhole's gravitational singularity. It's a place where like the laws of space and time are kind of, are infinite. And this then is the black since, hole we're talking about now. Right. The, that's yeah. right. No, that's right. Not we're the talking wormhole. about. I understand, but gravity is the thing that crosses all the dimensions. Okay. So right. Cooper, Cooper and Murph are known as the saviors of humanity, and so the fifth dimensional humans now on in the future, essentially build the tesseract for Cooper so that he can communicate with his daughter in the past to relay the data that Tars collected inside the singularity right. and all that stuff. Right. Right. <clears throat> yes. Is that right? And so. So the time the time shift nerds would say that if that is the case, what was the first? How did the first iteration of that actually happen? Right, it's all one thing though. It it, it never happened differently. Time never changed. There, there, there was no, no nothing changed. I mean, that is the paradox of of time. No, but but if shifting. you're looking if, if you're looking at if most time travel movies have to do with you go back and you change something. That's where a paradox comes into play. But if you're watching it and the ver every single version of it plays out the exact same way, then timeline is fine. And that's, what, that's the cool thing about this is that while you're watching those quote-unquote 
um, him in the wall moments, obviously, you know, I mean, from my standpoint, that wasn't a surprise. I knew it was going to be him or at least, you know, something that had that knowledge that was, you know, from him that was uh, trying to communicate with them in the past. But that was the cool point of this is that nothing changed in the past. Everything stayed the same. It was always that way. The dust always settled that way. The books always came off the shelf. Yeah, but how did it happen first for him to, like, do you not understand what we're saying? I, I do how understand. How did it happen the first time for him to get to that place? Like, it, he would have already had to be there. Yeah, that's exactly. the thing. But, exactly. It all, again, time happens at one, you know what I mean? Like, so the, the, the answer paper. to this question is the, the Chris apologist of this would say that the fifth dimension is infinite. And so it's always been, but that's kind of like your get out of jail free card. It doesn't yeah, exactly. technically no. answer the question. No, no, I'm saying in, in the world of this movie, come on guys, this is a movie. That's okay to say. I'm just saying if, if you take that piece away, if you're saying that he died, that's fine as long as we can all agree that he influenced the real events in the past if we're looking at that if we're saying he is the one who made the dust settle in that way he uh set the second hand on the watch if you're saying he didn't do those things this movie falls apart and really doesn't have a point i agree he did do those things i i think i think if he if the intent which to have him be dead, there would have been a a more beautiful way to do that than the way they did that. So I don't think that that I would I would be okay with him not ever. If if you're saying he died then and he never woke up on Cooper Station, fine, I'm okay with that. Anything after Cooper Station is fine with me. But I I have to believe that he did those things. He influenced his daughter to to build and create and 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 sure. save the human race. It just it just doesn't it just doesn't clearly answer how did the first how did the future humans first survive the planet to make a tesseract in the first place. And that's okay. That's okay. We can just it is what it is. It is what yeah. it is. It's, no. it's just one of those things. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't right. answer that question and that's okay. Of course. And it's okay. Of course. It's okay for that question to be answered. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the things because we have been we've been very positive on this and this review's getting a little long but we as we knew that it would with a movie like this. I do you know we talked about what, where the melodrama is at its best and that's you know watching the tapes. Let me give an example of where I I actually was like, this movie's going to jump the shark if it doesn't get out of here <laughs> right now. Was the Michael Caine freaking deathbed scene confession? Um, mm. So the idea that the reveal that Plan A was that the equation had been solved a long time ago and that his motive behind that was awesome. I love that. The fact that they literally had a phone call and they ran in and he was on his deathbed and then he like cried and told her and then he died. <laughs> literally while yeah. she's sitting there right when she told them it's a true i was like this is the most ridiculous there are a million other ways that they could have revealed this that wouldn't have felt so bad and so that's that's where i for me there were enough little moments not now that's the worst of it and the best of it but there were a lot of scenes in the middle as well where it just played a little bit loose with what I would say was a little cheesy or a little bit on the nose, a little bit too often for me to like fully embrace this and go, I'm just a hundred percent in. Um, but that said, for the most part, it is, it's a, it's an impressive, it's an impressive piece of work. I think I have a question and I, I know it's a little bit random, but it really like when I was thinking back on the movie, it's one of the things that kind of stood out and bothered me a little bit is r- right at the beginning when, he goes into the school to meet with the teachers and they they have a problem with Murph because she 
didn't believe um, the textbook that said they never went to the moon and that, you know, that was just propaganda to bankrupt the Soviet Union, um, which I know is a, like a valid theory right. still today or whatever. Like, I didn't understand why that was in there. It, it didn't seem to have any effect on the story at all. And like, I don't know if like Christopher Nolan just thought that was an intriguing conspiracy theory he wanted to throw in there or like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't understand. You mean the theory itself? I thought it was just used to kind of establish the fact that Murph, even at a young age, was questioning the system and that yeah. and was interested in science. For me, that's how I took it. Okay, but if you're building a world, like, wh- why did he build a world that, that had said... I, I think it's more commentary on our current state of, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where people Anti-science. are saying space is... Not space exploration is not necessary. It's not important. It's not worth human lives. Uh, and maybe it didn't even really actually happen. Like I feel like a lot of that is is uh, the the naysayers about how important space travel is. And I feel like yeah, maybe that would kind of a little went overboard there. But I still felt like yeah, people who say that are idiots. You know what I mean? I agree with Murph. You know what I mean? Like I. <laughs> yeah. I I, that was one of those moments for me because that is another one those of those raw raws. Pretty dubious. And that was a cool scene <laughs> yeah. though, where he was like, "I tell you what, I'm gonna do. She likes baseball." <laughs> no, it was a great, it was a great scene. I, loved I just it. didn't understand uh, why yeah, it yeah. was in there. It yeah. was wonderful. It was glorious. It's it just one of those like things, like, no, you know what? We can do this. We will do this, and we will be great again. And I just, I embraced it. I Chris, it. I love that you love this movie so much. <laughs> I do. It makes me love yeah. you even more. So. <laughs> this is a love letter. This literally is everything I love about science fiction thrown into one film. Yeah. Like, well, I think, I think we should wrap up. I definitely want to say that what warms my heart about this is that I am just happy that there is a director that has achieved such clout and status that he can make big Hollywood studio <laughs> films, but make them his way. Because in what world would we ever get a movie made like this? They just we, we wouldn't. So anything that he does, I, I want to see just just sight unseen. So uh, it sounds like we are all extremely positive. Is there anything else, or should we uh, should we call it a night? Let's call it a night. It's amazing. Go see it. Nothing else to say. All right. All right. Oh, well, so, let me ask you this. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Were you were you surprised by Matt Damon showing up in this movie? <laughs> I was because I hadn't seen anything, I, I, none of the trailers or anything. He's, <laughs> he's not in any of the trailers. Yeah. That was a complete like shocker. I, he's great. As soon as he popped out of that, I was like, "Is that Matt Damon?" It is <laughs> Matt Damon. Holy Matt cow! Damon. Matt Damon is in this. Yeah, I don't know. I that thought that was cool. I like that little like. Yeah, and I like the I like the I like what happened there with that uh, with that betrayal and the yeah. fact that he's the best good. of us, but then he was the one that actually you know was the worst of us. I loved all of that. Man's greatest enemy is man. Oh, oh. yeah, Christopher Nolan is, can be on the nose, whatever. <laughs> There's no doubt. I'll forgive him. We'll forgive him. <laughs> You're listening to the Screeners podcast. All right. Well, that wraps up our show for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Please don't forget that we do love to hear any feedback from you guys. So if you have questions or comments or things that you want to hear us talk about, you can head to screenerspodcast.com and leave us a comment there. Or you can find us on Facebook at Screeners Podcast. Or you can email us at screenerscast at gmail.com. So we will hope to hear from you guys soon. And we will be back to you before too long with another episode. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap. 
You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.